Welcome to the First Right Podcast, the weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today we're blessed to have a first-time guest who has quite a story to tell. He is retired Louisville Police Sergeant John Mattingly, who was involved in the Breonna Taylor shooting case. Like other such cases, the liberal media twisted and distorted it to fit its preferred racial narrative. John has a new book out to set the record straight. Hey, John, thanks for coming on the show. Good to be here, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, so uh, love to hear your background. Uh, let's get up to the uh, March 2020 shooting and, and kind of stop there. And we'll obviously get into that a lot. But just give the audience a little bit about your background and what led you up to that point. All right, well, I came on the police department in June of 2000. And uh, I was on late watch for five years. Uh, after that, I went to what's called a flex platoon in 2005. And that's a, a division-wide narcotics unit, or if they need it for robberies or prostitution, whatever the major need, but 95% of it was narcotics work. Um, and then in 2009, I got promoted to sergeant. I went back to late watch for a year. Then I went to a district detective's office for about a year and a half. Uh, 2012, I went to what's called Viper. It was a new unit we created that um, attacked violent crime and criminals and went after murderers, carjackers, robbers, that, that extent of people. And then in 2016, I uh, went up to our narcotics division, our major narcotics division, and was there until 2020 uh, in March when this event took place. Okay, all right. So now we're in March 2020. And so now just talk us through that day, what happened, give us a, give us a snapshot uh, or as much detail as you want. And then we're obviously going to get into the media coverage and all right. that after the fact. All right, so our unit was uh, requested to assist a different unit inside narcotics uh, because it was a super manpower intensive um, event that night. It required about 50 detectives. Um, when we went there, uh, it, it was roll call at 10 o'clock, starting to rain outside. It was March 12th, which was a Thursday leading into Friday the 13th. It was a full moon out. Um, like I said, it was raining. Things just were, were kind of the picture was on the wall, different things happened. I came outside, I had two flat tires on my vehicle, I had to go in and find another car to get to the scene. So things were a little bit hectic to begin with. Uh, but once we got there that night, uh, I went by and got a visual on the apartment that we were supposed to be at. Because again, we hadn't done any of the background on this. We were just simply there to, to assist. And uh, I went back, told the guys that we were good to go. We went up to the door, um, we knocked and announced. And that's one of the big myths that you hear. This, this was a no-knock warrant. And uh, it was this, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, we knocked and announced several times, almost a minute, banging, yelling. Uh, even the upstairs neighbor came out and was like, man, what are you guys doing? And uh, we told him to go back in his house. We'd explain to him later. He finally went back inside. Uh, we still got no answer to the door. So at that point, my, my boss looked at me and kind of gave the nod to go ahead and, and let's breach the door because we had to go in at some point. The SWAT team was already moving down on Elliott for uh, the main suspects in this case. And so everything was supposed to be simultaneous, so no evidence was destroyed. Um, so we breached the door, and as soon as that door came open, from it swung from right to left, and I was on the left side of it. Um, I was able to see the living room on my right side, and as soon as I couldn't see anymore, I was forced to step into the doorway area so I could continue to clear the apartment. As soon as I did that, down a long hallway, probably 25, 30 feet away, very narrow, three-foot hallway, a little bit of ambient light coming from the TV outside from their bedroom, there were two individuals side by side, almost, they were overlapping one another. One was taller, one was shorter, but they filled the entire hallway. And as soon as my brain adjusted to what's going on here, there's two people here, this, is, this isn't this is normal. 
Um, I saw the outstretched gun from Kenneth Walker and the, the shot ring out. I was struck in my leg. I returned fire. Um, at that point, I knew I'd been uh, severely wounded because I reached down and felt the amount of blood that was coming out of my leg. And due to all the training, we knew that most leg wounds, if, if they don't hit arteries, then they're, they're fairly um, non-dangerous. You know, there's not a lot of bleeding that takes place. Um, but I knew instantly when I felt that handful of blood that something was wrong. So um, I got out of the, the line of fire, got myself to the parking lot, uh, requested a tourniquet. Uh, the officers there, fortunately, one of them had it on and actually paid attention in class and got the tourniquet on me and was able to save my life. Okay, well, first off, thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your service. Guys like you, we, we have to have guys like you and gals like you out there. But, right. uh, you know, otherwise, it's, it's the thin blue line, right? All right, so, okay, so you knew it was going to be bad. I mean, you probably were aware of media bias and things like that, you know, and you already mentioned the, the no-knock uh, myth of this whole thing. So um, how bad was it when you started realizing, okay, the media is going to totally twist this thing. I mean, where did you have to go in your own mind from thinking that maybe, maybe the media would be like, well, they'll cover it fairly to, oh, my gosh, these guys are out of control. Right. Well, initially, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of media coverage because we were right in the middle of this pandemic. You know, the governors had taken over uh, press conferences all day, every day on TVs. The president was on every day. So it kind of got pushed to the side. And, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, because ever since Ferguson in 2015, every police shooting that comes out, the first question asked, which is asinine, but the first question that's asked is, were they white or black? And again, that shouldn't matter. It should be totally, was it a good shoot, bad shoot? But unfortunately, that's the state we're in. And so... I knew the potential would be there, white cop, black suspect that, that died. And so that was always in the back of my mind. But we, we'd kind of escaped it for a few weeks. And then Ahmaud Arbery happened. And Ben Crump jumped on that case. And the lawyer that's involved in, with Breonna Taylor's family had worked with Ben Crump when she was in law school. So she reached out to him and asked him to, to jump on this case, which he gladly did because he saw dollar signs. And so when he came on, uh, instantly it started getting national attention. Now, it still wasn't to the level of the George Floyd stuff yet, but that was coming. We had the perfect triangle, the perfect storm. You know, you had Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, and then George Floyd, which really encapsulated all this and pushed it into high gear. And once that took place, and just all hell broke loose, not only within our city, but within our personal lives, uh, the threats just, they were already there, but now, man, they just came in by the, the, by the hundreds. I mean, we just got inundated with them. Uh, we, had to, we had to move out of our house and go into hiding because the FBI... Uh, received credible threats through uh, legitimate sources in town uh, that, that there was hits taken out on the officers' lives. So it was a scary time. And so how long was it that intense when it really ramped up and you're moving and you're thinking, what the heck, you know, how, how long did that go on? And that went on for quite a while, probably six months, because, uh, you know, around the country, a lot of places calmed down. They had constant everyday uh, protests in Louisville for over a year. And along with that came all the misinformation. I mean, there was a, a laundry list of, of lies put out by the media, by, by the attorneys that were never combat and to this day not combated by our department or by our city. And so naturally, when lies are being told for a year straight and nobody is refuting those lies in, in, any, in any position of authority, then people start to think, well, there must be some truth to it or else they would stand up and defend themselves, right? And we were hoping they would. We begged them to, and they refused to do it. I don't know their intent behind it. You know, I, I'm not the judge of that. I've got my, my beliefs. But um, the, the fact is we were just hung out to dry, 
And I just don't want to see that for future guys. Yeah, good for you on that. And so what's that like internally? I've always thought about this piece when you feel like nobody's got your back, you know, the guys at the city, the politicians that are, you know, supposedly for law and order and protecting law-abiding citizens basically just turn their back on you. What's that like internally with you guys on the force, the talk that starts to emerge, or just if you're willing to be frank about it, what the, you know, willingness to do the job you used to do kind of thing? You know, how does that all play out? Well, I think you, you already see the result of, of this type of attack on law enforcement with, with the murder rates and the carjackings and, and the assaults up nationwide. Um, I know Louisville went from, I think, like 120 homicides in 19 to 170-something, 173 in 2020, then 184 in 2021, and we're on pace to, to pass 200 this year. And if you look at that per capita, that's more than two times the amount that Chicago has. Um, now, the numbers aren't there, but the per capita-wise, it, it's there. So what happens is you get these guys who are doing their job, the job they're trained to do, the job they're asked to do, the job they're expected to do. They go out and do it and then they get hung out to dry by their administration. It's like, you taught me how to do this. You paved the path, you, you asked me, you put me here. I didn't ask to go there that night, you asked for help. So I did what you asked me to do, and now you just totally abandoned me because you're afraid of the, the backlash that you might get from the community or for your next voting cycle. Yeah, it's pathetic. So looking back on that time, what you mentioned there were like a lot of different lies and things that were coming out. What are the one or two things that you're still to this day most, you know, irritated by in terms of what were they what was said or what was you know how you were hung out to dry what, what were they saying that that still bugs you the most to this day well just just on the apartment itself there's like four things that are just or five things that that just constantly get repeated um the attorney said we were out drinking before this event it's impossible we were at two separate locations before we did this warrant that are both videotaped, time-stamped in and out from when we went in. So everything's documented that we weren't out drinking. Just another outlandish claim to, to throw things off. Uh, they said we had the wrong apartment, which her name, her car, her social security number, date of birth, everything's on this warrant. We were where we were supposed to be. Uh, they said she was asleep in her bed when she died. Not true, she was in the hallway. Um, the, the fact that uh, they said the boyfriend or the ex-boyfriend that was the main target uh, Jamarcus Glover, they said he was in custody a day prior. No, he was taken into custody at the same time we were making entry into this house. So just a lot of those things that are still getting spread by the media. They're saying there's no drugs or money found at the apartment. True, because we weren't allowed to go back in and search it. I say we. I was in the hospital and surgery, but the guys asked, can we go back in now and serve this warrant? And they were told no by upper command. So there was never even a chance to retrieve the evidence that they were there for. So just those lies right there that are just front page that make every single event, and most of them, most of these articles or these these news media outlets leave out the fact that I was actually shot and almost died. It was always there was a confrontation with the boyfriend, and then they killed Brianna. Well, yeah. it's a little bit more than a confrontation, and so it's just another slap in the face. Yeah, how about it? A little small detail there. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Thank, thankfully, someone knew how to tourniquet. That's good. <laughs> like yeah. you said. Yeah. Um, so, what was it like too? So, did you have situations? I'm assuming you did, where you were. These lies were going out in the media and you're talking to your boss and he or she's talking to their boss and on up the chain. And then somewhere up there, it's just like it flips to politics and everybody's just like, no, we're not going to we're just going to we're just going to leave you out there. I mean, I always think like the, the police chief, right? He's like he should be the one. Right. Yeah. All these politicians are all weak and everything at times. They want to do everything to please everybody. They're just looking for approval all the time. You would hope that the police chief 
would be interested most in the truth, at least looking out for his guys, right? Well, you got to realize police chiefs are nothing but politicians themselves. Right, right, right. You know, they're appointed yeah. by these mayors, so these mayors put the guys in that, that are like-minded to them, or at least guys they can control. And uh, our, our chief was no different, very weak, um, very anything the mayor's office said or directed, there was no pushback. And so basically our department was being run by civilians who had never been police officers, and everything was, was slanted to a social uh, agenda, everything. And so um, they would want things cleaned up, you know, especially like derby times coming up. Man, our mayor is a super progressive guy. We've got homeless camps everywhere, trash, feces, you name it. It's just scattered around Louisville. Derby time comes on. It's amazing. These two weeks when you come into Louisville, you won't see any of that. They come in with the, the, with the bulldozers, clean all that stuff out, house these guys in hotels for a few weeks, buy them new tents when it's over, and put them back on the street. So it's a lot of facade going on, and, and that's government in general. But when you see it firsthand, when you're involved in it firsthand, it, it gives you a whole new perspective on how, how things really, really roll. And, and to answer your question, though, so we push back. We ask. We said, please put out the information. Please put out the facts. Because everything that's ever been put out on this case was leaked internally by people that were just fed up with the lies being spread. And nothing official has ever been put out. So when we asked that, and it went up to the chain, up to the chief's office, and up to the mayor's office, we were told, no, we don't want to set precedent for future cases by putting information out. So my response was, so we want to let the city burn and people lose their lives and businesses destroyed because you don't want to set precedent on things that you set precedent every day. You do whatever you want. So why wouldn't you just do it on this to help people out? It made no sense. Yeah, they're just they're just choosing temporary public opinion over the safety of their citizens and backing right. up you guys. Yeah, it's horrible. Well, and you know that whole concept of just them cleaning it up temporarily. I just that is so uh, so disturbing that that happens. I mean, I, I kind of know it does. You you think that happens only in North Korea, right? When the media shows right. up and they do, but they do it in towns now. And I didn't realize that what you're saying about the I hadn't done the, the looked at the numbers on that the per capita of the, the murders relative to Chicago. We're outside of Chicago, and I've been here for a couple of decades, and it's you know disheartening at best at yeah. times. But uh, yeah, if they're not gonna if if they're if they're nobody's, nobody's gonna pay attention to that, but. I mean, what's the situation right now in Louisville politically? I mean, are there people, is there beginning to be a wave of discontent with this and we're going to get some people out of office here eventually? What do you think? Well, fortunately, this is our mayor's last term. It's his third term, 12 okay. years in office and mm -hmm. more than enough damage he's done in that 12 years. You know, the first couple of years he came in, he was a businessman, not a politician. He did. He actually did pretty good. And I was for him. I'm not a Democrat, but I was for him because I don't care who's in office as long as you're doing the right things and as, as long as you're... You're, you're there for the right reasons and helping the people. And he did that the first couple of years. So I thought, okay, I can get behind this guy, no big deal. Um, but then something switched and he became, number one, when Obama was in office, uh, Louisville Metro Police became the flagship department for 21st century policing. We were it, we were the face of it. And so he got tied into the politics in DC. And once that happened, he totally changed. Um, I, don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but everybody could see the change in him and the way the city was run and the way our department was run. And, and once that switched, we never went back and just constantly declined to that. And we're, we're a very liberal, progressive city anyway. You know, we're, we're kind of like a small uh, San Francisco, to be honest. That's the way we've always described it. Very eclectic, uh, different groups, but very liberal. Yeah. And so um, I can't see a change coming. I think they're gonna elect another Democrat. I just hope it's not a Greg Fisher 2.0. Uh, because, like I said, I don't care if you got a D or an R in front of your name as long as you're you're doing the right thing. Yeah, do the job well. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And you made a comment a second ago that I've heard, if I had a dollar for every time I heard this, it, it goes like this. Once Obama came in, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, you could apply that yeah. to so many things. I'm a former Army guy, and I just, you know, right. I want to lose my mind sometimes. Uh, so, you know, every serious study out there says that cops don't disproportionately target minority citizens. Right. You know, but the, but the liberal media, you know, the leftists, the, the woke communists in the media, they run off and do their thing. What, what's your opinion now that you've been through what you've been through? break that cycle what's the what's some ideas out there that you've seen to, to get this turned around well I think it has to start in in the elections and I'm not just talking about your mayors you know they've got some some pull but the the big issue isn't police reform now there's things we can always grow if we're not constantly growing and evolving then then we're going to be left behind and there's going to be issues but that's not our issue our issue is are the DAs and our judges and they're all electable and Nobody knows who these judges are. I mean, I don't know about you, but all my years of voting, I'm 49 years old, all my years of voting, I would go to the to the booth and I would know who your Senate and Congress and mayor and, and governor and all that was. But when it came down to our local judges, all you see is names that you've heard in the newspaper or on the news that are familiar as you go, well, I guess that person's it. And you check it, not knowing any of their background, any of the, the problems they've caused by the constant release of these prisoners. You saw I got a day on the news who's a 17-year-old up in New York who had killed someone. They let him out on these murder charges, and he killed somebody else. Well, that's a problem. That's not the police's fault. They'd already picked this guy up. Now they picked him up twice, and had they gotten into a, an altercation with him and had to kill him, he was a black guy, we would be at fault. So the problem is the system at large, not just the police. We're just a small part of it. And, um, and so until I think those things get fixed, we as a community and as the police – are going to be tough to, to merge back to uh, trusting one another again. Yeah, it's going to take some time, and uh, it took a long time to get here. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is, uh, in my opinion, this is a lot of Soros money over the years, lots of millions and billions into these DAs and all these. To your point, you know, it's a lot of races we didn't pay a lot of attention to, you know, on the conservative right. side, and now we got to get more, much more serious about this. we got a lot of ground to make up, but I think that that – that awareness is, is is coming to be now, and uh, and so I think we're gonna we're gonna make up that ground. So I I hope we do relatively quickly here. Um, something else you you mentioned earlier, and then you know just the the uh, the growth of crime in general, and and uh, Heather McDonald has done some great studies on this uh, in terms of just you know once the cops start getting assaulted, uh, and then you know not just like. You, you go to a crime and, you're, and something bad happens while you're there. It's like the crime is coming to you, you know, the assault is coming to the cops, right? Then see crime in general start to go up, which then disproportionately hurts a lot of times minority communities because there's right. more crime even there. So speak to that for a minute in terms of like how that systemic thing is happening over time and what you saw in Louisville. Well, I think it became, again, it's the whole they wanted to defund the police and they essentially did it without, or they effectively did it without passing any bills. The same right. way they raised, same way they've raised minimum wage. They've uh, altered speech on these platforms. They've changed the voting the way we do it. So all these things have been backdoored and end around um, to get us to where we're at today. And I think that's the same way with policing. I don't think there's been, um, you know, we are so short in Louisville, just like they are across the board that you're, you're, you're spread so thin that you can't focus on the things you need to. But when you do focus on the things you need to, uh, then you just get criticized for it. And um, there's an ugly side to police work, just like the, you know, you're in the military, the same thing with military. It's an ugly job when you get down to it, when the things you have to do to make things right. 
and uh, it doesn't have to be illegal or immoral, but it, it's going to be ugly sometimes. It's just the way it is. And so until that, until people can accept that and 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 harden up a little bit, and that sounds cruel, but until we harden up a little bit as a nation and quit being so soft, I think we're going to be just in this revolving door of chaos. Yeah, that's a wonderful point, and I thought this so many times over the years, and I and it has. It was our, our parents, and even when we were younger, I'm 51, when we were younger, it was like, well, you know, we don't want to have to do this, but it has to be done sometimes. And, right. you know, whether it was police work or stuff in the military, like you said, but now we've gotten to this place of extreme virtue signaling, extreme touchy-feely, everything's got to be soft all the time. And now it becomes, well, just because that bad thing happened to that criminal, there must be some other way that you guys could have done it that would have resulted right. in like this really peaceful outcome. Right. This de-escalation term is so overplayed. Um, for instance, in my case, the when I did my interview for, for to see if I violated any policies, um, the guy kept pushing on. Would, don't you think you could have de-escalated better? I'm thinking, I turned a corner and got shot. What? What de-escalation <laughs> right. do you want? Am yeah. I returning? I, and I told him, I said, me returning fire de-escalated the situation. Yeah, that's I mean, right. That's right. It's, it's, we're not going to sit here and talk about it. This is just the way it's going to be. I'm going to live. I'm going to go home tonight. And, and whatever happens to you happens. But I'm going home. That's right. That's right. Yeah, in the military, you're, just, you're living in the NOW, man. You just There's no yeah. there's no way around it, right? And then all yep. these guys that's after it. the fact, well, you know what I would have done. Yeah, you don't know what you would have done, all right? That's yeah. just and a, you had six months to review what you would yeah, have done. Right, exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff drives me crazy. So, yeah, yeah. well, hey, you know, I appreciate all you're doing now and the book, and we're going to promote that as well. And, and uh, you know, like I said, thanks for your bravery uh, in the job. And, you know, you got shot. Thankfully, you didn't die, like you said, but now you're being brave on the other side of it doing this is a this is a battle right here, you know, and you got oh, yeah. you're, you're fighting this one, too. So we really appreciate it. And we definitely want to have you back on and stay in touch. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me. All right. Have a great day, John. All right. Bye bye. All right. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.